Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Glad you're with us today. It's All Out Sunday, and we're going to talk about God. Who is God? You know, what you think about God, A.W. Tozer said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. But we're going to let God tell us who he is. We're going to go to the scripture, and there's a place where God literally defines who he is for us. And today, we're going to let God make it very clear, this is who I am. So get ready to meet God and all of his goodness. Come on, let's get into so, the word. Got some Christmas trees up. Christmas is coming. Uh, Dylan even put some red and green lights up. Isn't that nice? Feels Christmassy in here. Boy. Got me thinking about Christmas, though. I remember a little, little Christmas story, and I'm going to share it with you. Thank you. Once upon a time, a perfect man and a perfect woman met, and after a perfect courtship, they had a perfect wedding. Their life together was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, the perfect couple was driving their perfect car, their SUV, along a winding road when they noticed someone at the side of the road in distress, and being uh, the perfect couple, they stopped to help. So there stood Santa Claus. There stood Santa Claus with a whole bunch of bundle of toys and not wanting to disappoint any of the children on Christmas Eve. The perfect couple loaded up Santa and all of the toys into their SUV and soon they were driving along and delivering all the toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. And sadly, only one of them survived. Who was the survivor? Well, of course, it was the perfect woman because the other two are fictional characters. So. <laughs> I should have pre-read that one. I know my wife gave it to me. I knew it was a dud. <laughs> I thought there was something fishy about this when she gives me material. Anyways. Hey, welcome to All Out Sunday. Amen. Woo! Hey, you know what we want to do on All Out Sunday? Let's, let's talk about God. Let's talk about God. Don't you reckon we should talk about God? What, what do you think about God? What do you, well, look, First Chronicles 16.34 says, and you know, all our songs today were so, you know, perfect, so leading up to where we're headed, because he, he said, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Isn't that great? You know what? The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. You know, the Lord delights in showing mercy. Did you know that? You know what makes him really happy? He delights in showing mercy. You know what mercy is? You don't get what you deserve. You do not get what you deserve. Did you know that your God is not trying to, to put something on you? He's not trying to discipline you or correct you for something. He's literally trying to manifest his unfailing love to you, and he wants you to know that my mercy endures forever. Give me another verse. I got Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are... For you, O Lord, are... For you, O Lord, are... Come on. That was good there. Well, we got a few preachers in the room. You are good, and you are ready to forgive. He's ready. Anybody need forgiveness? Me and three people. Still feeling bad about kicking that guy out. You know, forgive me, Lord, but he deserved it. You know, but anyway. 
Lord, you are good and you are ready to forgive and you are abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Amen. All right. So I, I want to show you. You know what I did? I, I Googled myself. I know that may sound strange, but I Googled myself. And I, I, I put in the search, I said, I searched for D. Carl Thomas. Have you ever Googled yourself? Sure, you should find out what's going on. So here's what came up. You ready? Oh. It's not that funny. So, uh, that's, that's Carl Thomas. He's a rear admiral in the Navy. So, that, so I said, gee, wow, that's pretty awesome. If you're, looking, if you're looking for Carl Thomas, that'd be interesting, right? All right, I, got, I Googled an another guy popped up as well. Yeah. I got Jesus. Ooh, I got Jesus. Give me a J. Give me a J. Give me an E. Yeah. Yeah, that's not him either. But anyways, it's I got another guy popped up. Look at this guy. Wow, let me see this. Hey, that is Carl Thomas. He's a chef at a hotel in Jamaica. So if you came looking for Carl Thomas, you may be going, my God, who's that guy? Right? So look at this guy. Look at this guy right here. Hey. That's Dr. Carl Thomas to you. Dr. Carl Thomas. I got another funny one. Look at this one. <laughs> oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is me. Stop it. <laughs> you know, I was having so much fun with that that, you know, I thought our worship director, George McCleary. So you know what I did? I Googled George McCleary. I'm not kidding. I am not. You go ahead and do it, you know? I'm telling you, when George comes in early on Sundays, that's pretty much it. So, but a lot of hair and makeup. And, and well, that's, that's George McCleary. Anyway, so I was having a lot of fun with that. So I thought, Kelly Mihalicek. I thought, let me see if I can Google Kelly Mihalicek. So I Googled Kelly Mihalicek and... Uh, I'm just kidding. I actually Googled Kelly Mihalicek. Here's what came up. Yeah. The very first picture that came up when you Google Kelly Mihalicek, everybody say Mihalicek. <laughs> Gesundheit. Yeah, so, that's, that's Kelly's name. You got to reckon there's only one of those, right? She's a straight up original right there. That's Kelly McCleary. And that photograph was done by Dilly Fresh Photography. And Dilly Fresh is here in the house. So if you want some photography done by Dilly Fresh, he did my photos, took away all my lines, my bumps, and my wrinkles. I look really good on my Zoom calls now. So, amen. Hey, I want to show you another picture. This is Jesus. You ready? Here's Jesus. So that's, that's, I found a picture of Jesus. I don't know what he looked like. When I was a kid, I grew up, he always had blonde hair and blue eyes. I always thought, thought he's not from the Middle East. He looks like he's from Sweden, you know. But, but, uh, so I grew up with the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus. But anyway, there's Jesus. But if you, you look at that, there's Jesus, and you're trying to see Jesus through a, a filter. And most people, they see God through a filter. We're all looking at God through, you know, preconceived ideas or conditions or something. So we got to remove that filter. Any concept of God that is built through a preconceived filter will limit your ability to connect with him. 
any view, any, any way that you see God, any concept of him that is built through a preconceived filter is going to affect your ability to connect. And you got to know who he is. You got to, because who he is, A.W. Tozer said this, A.W. Tozer said, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about you, the very most important thing about you, is what do you think of God? When I say God, what comes into your mind? When I say let's approach God, what comes into your mind? What are your expectations? When I say God, what comes into your mind? And that, Mr. Tozer says, is the most important thing about you. So your, your mindset of God is shaped by things. Here's, here's uh, media. Here's Time Magazine. Now, this was in uh, uh, April, uh, I think it was April 8th of 1966. And this is when the, it came out. It was the first time they did not have a picture on the front of Time Magazine. And listen to this. It was released on Good Friday. And a guy wrote an article, and they put it very first time that the cover was not a picture. It was just letters. And in 1966, Time Magazine, in all their wisdom, said, is God dead? And a guy wrote a whole article about the death of God. And boy, there were a lot of writers upset. And boy, did a lot of preachers start to preach sermons about who do you think you are? But, you know, media and things like that can frame our ideas of God. I mean, you look next, you got Hollywood. Hollywood, every time I watch movies and stuff, you know, a person walks on and says, you know, I was in church, I believe in God. They go, you believe in God? What's the matter with you? And you're constantly, if you believe in God, you're being told, what a dummy, what a loser. Nobody believes in God. And, you know, anybody who does that, Hollywood's just trying to be beat up church, beat up God, misrepresent my God. <laughs> over and over again so it's not just hollywood but i mean look at this your your classrooms i mean i've had so many kids they you know they leave their church they head off to university they get to university and they get just beat over the head with are you kidding me i mean these days say say the worst thing in the world today are them christians those Christians, they're troubled people. But, and they are presenting a, a misrepresentation of who God is. And this is what's shaping our world. And these are the struggles we're having with our culture. And then there's these folks. I mean, they're trouble. Eh? How many got friends? How many got friends don't believe in God, think you're a bit crazy? You know, sometimes we got our friends going, what are you doing? I can't believe how much time you spend doing all that stuff. And then they say, you're really crazy because I heard you, when you go there, you give money. I mean, my God. So your friends, they shape you. Now there's these, these things right here. They, they sometimes say, it was an act of God. The whole city was wiped off the map. It was an act of God. I remember reading one article. It says, you know, the tornado just, just hit the edge of town and pretty much everything with town is okay because it just took out the church. This is a true story. It just took out the church. But you know what? Some people say, well, when there's bad things happen in the world, you know, that's an act of God. And I mean, if God's in control, why does he let that stuff happen? It's an act of God. So sometimes just the world, just events, things going on in our world, things happen in our world, we say, who's God? And then you've got this. You've got religion. You've got so many different kinds of religion, so many ways. People think there's all kinds of ways up the mountain. There's all kinds of ways to approach God. And yet the Bible says there's only one name under heaven by which man can be saved. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. 
Jesus is Lord of all. And you know, God has come through his son. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. But there's so many beliefs and values. Even if you're allowed to be spiritual and you can be spiritual today, people say, be spiritual, but you know, don't buy into that Christian stuff. And I don't even know why, because ours is the best message of all. Ours, you don't have to do nothing. You just got to say, thank you, Jesus. And he does everything for us. He does all the heavy lifting. He takes away your sin. He reintroduces you to the Father. He fills you with his spirit. The spirit works in you. The spirit does it all. He's my redeemer, my savior, my life, my song. He does it all. All the other ones, you got to work hard, do this, do that. And then you're not even sure if you did enough. Thank God he did it all. I don't have to worry if I'm doing enough because he did everything. He covered it from A to Z. He's such a good God. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I don't have to worry about a thing. I don't have to worry about falling off the boat because Jesus has me wrapped up and covered every which way. I tell you, he got a grip on me and he's never going to let me go. He will never, no, never leave me or forsake me. And he's got it all covered from A to Z, the beginning to the end. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, so religion can cause a lot of confusion. Then there's these folks right here. How many got parents? You know, parents, you, thank God, my parents, my parents had me on drugs at a very young age. So, anybody else? Drugs? I mean, they, they drug me to church twice on Sunday. They drug me to church on Tuesday for Bible study. They drug me out for prayer meeting. They drug me out for whatever was going on. I mean, I was on drugs all week long. They were drugging me to church. But you know what? I thank God that they drug me to church. I thank God that, you know what, I don't even know. People say, when did you accept Jesus? I don't know. I grew up born again. I don't even know, you know, but they say, what are you? I say, I'm a gooba. I grew up born again. I've, I've never, I've never, you know what is so amazing? I've never, ever known in my life what it is to not have a living, working relationship with God. And I, I'm just so incredibly blessed that my parents made very, very sure that I knew very clearly who my Savior was. How you guys doing? You all right? All right. Well, now there's this guy, this guy right here. Hey. Moses. How many knew that was Moses? You know, when I get to heaven, I'm looking for that guy. I'm going to go over, Moses, you know, the real Moses. Is coming. No, it's me. It's not you. It's him. I'll be looking for Charlton Heston. You're Moses. You're an imposter. Moses. Forever. How many for you, Charlton Heston? He is Moses. All right, so how many have no idea who that man is? <laughs> wow, awesome. That, that's Moses. So I mean, we want to talk to you a little bit about Moses because Moses had an amazing responsibility. God chose Moses to bring the people of God out of Egypt. They were there in Egypt in a place of slavery, and God called Moses, and he says, Moses. All right, just like that. He said, Moses. He spoke to him from a burning bush. And you know, that's pretty crazy. But the bush wasn't consumed. And, and Moses. And so Moses came to the bush and he said, I want you. I've heard the cry of my people and I want you to go. And I want you to deliver them. So he confronted Pharaoh. They had a bit of an issue with a few things, a bunch of plagues, a bunch of stuff. But finally, Pharaoh let them go. And they crossed the Red Sea and he brought them into the promised land. Now here's this Pharaoh guy, right? That's Pharaoh right there. Hey, I won't see him in heaven. So, <laughs> maybe you will Brenner, but not that guy. But, but that's Moses. You see, they they grew up 
under a dictator for 400 years they were just dominated by this was an authority figure this was what was in their life so their whole idea of Moses of, of, of Pharaoh was he's trying to kill us he's trying to kill us so their whole picture of any type of authority figure was he's trying to kill us and so Moses and the people of Israel spent their whole lives living and seeing through a Pharaoh filter they had a filter that was wrong they had a filter of authority a filter uh, of a ruler in their life that was wrong so on the mountain I mean God shows up and he comes down and the pictures coming up right now boom there it is see so God tells them get ready three days and I'm gonna come and speak to you and then the mountain starts to tremble and smoke and it's coming down and I mean they got so freaked out they literally said Moses you go talk to the big fella and you be the intermediary you know God never wanted to do that God never wanted to speak to somebody else God wanted to have a continuous face-to-face -face with his people but when they saw that when they saw the power and majesty of God they were just like man you go talk to him keep us out of it and then when Moses went to talk to him they they made a calf and they started worshiping something else while Moses was up the mountain when Moses came down he had to lead these people and and they were a little dumbed down with their slavery mentality and you know sometimes you become a believer but you still got the slave mentality sometimes you're a believer and you got all these wonderful privileges but you still live like they're not yours because you don't understand and you don't know that wonderful God and your relationship with him through that filter is all askew and you're having a hard time connecting with all the wonderful benefits that God has for you because you still got that filter of you know God's really big and let somebody else talk to him for me but God wants to talk to you clearly and specifically and God wants you to know who he is and he wants you to know that he's thank you there's three people still tracking with me I saw a few people looking at their phones what's the score all right so. <laughs> All right, so look at this. Exodus chapter 33, Exodus 33, 18. Here's Moses. Moses, I mean, God's like, man, I've had enough of these people. He's like, dude, God, they're your people. I'm leading them. I mean, what do you mean? You're not going to, I don't know. I don't, I'll send an angel. I'm not even going to hang out with them for a while. But Moses said, I mean, your name's no good if you don't go with us and hang out with us. And God said, all right, I'm going to go with you. And then Moses said, one more thing, just one more thing. He said, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And what he's saying when he says that, tell me who you really are. Unpack for me all that makes you who you are. Show me your full weighty self. Show me everything about you. God, show me. Introduce me completely and freely to yourself. Now the next verse here. In the next chapter he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you. And he said, you know what? I'm going to pass before you. And he said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the lock and I, rock and I'm going to pass before you and I'm going to moon you out the passenger window. Wow. Anyways, he does that and I'll show you my hind parts. I don't even know what that means. But anyways, but God does. He says, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And he says, and then I'm going to say something to you. Look what he says. He comes by. It says, the Lord passed by before him and he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for a thousand. And what he means there is a thousand generations generations you look at that look at that I mean this is God Moses says tell me who you are and he doesn't start with I am Almighty God creator of all things I am big and powerful and awesome tremble before that's not what he said the very first 
thing that God wanted to define himself as is, I am compassionate. I am compassionate. You know what compassionate means? It means that I'm going to co, I'm going to come alongside you, I'm going to link myself with you passionately. I'm going to passionately engage in your life. I'm going to, in a deep, deep emotional way, link myself to you because I'm not a God who's afar off. I'm not a God who is uncaring. I am a God, and the first thing you need to know about me is I'm absolutely nuts about you, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to unite myself passionately to you. That's good. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for a thousand generations. Now look at the next slide here. It says, I am forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. But he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished. Responding to the transgression of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and to the fourth generation. Well, that last side seemed a lot better than this one, didn't it? Bit of a tension here. Well, here's what it is. You see, it's to a thousand generations the blessing of God. But if you don't embrace the blessing of God, if you don't jump in on the forgiveness part, if you don't say, I welcome your loving kindness and your forgiveness, then you've chosen to remain and say, I'm going to take it on my own. I'm going to be my own deliverer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out myself. I, I'm going to see if I can make this happen. I'm going to lean into my self-righteousness and see how well I do. Well, he says, you know, if you go that route, I mean, sin and, and the effects of it, it's your generation, it's the next generation, it's to the third and to the fourth generation, right? If things happen in your life, I'm a Cowboys fan. That's not a sin, by the way. <laughs> praise the Lord. Can I get a praise the Lord? Thank you. You know, now, I'm a Cowboy. You know why I'm a Cowboys fan? My dad was a Cowboys fan. When the Cowboys were on my dad, come on, Carl, let's watch the Cowboys. So I suddenly, he knew everybody. He loved the Cowboys, Roger Staubach and all the, you know, guys back then. And so I, I just became a Cowboys fan because it's a generational issue. Now, some of you folks weren't blessed with a good dad like me, and you're Montreal Canadiens fans. You know what? <laughs> you know what? That's to the third, the fourth generation. And, and we can pray for you today about that. So... We can, we can help you out because, by the way, this is uh, Leafs fans are in this house, right? So. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Hey, let me just go to Hebrews chapter 1 for a second. I want you to see this because we're talking about a picture of God. We want to we talk about God. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 says, Long ago God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Moses was a prophet. God was trying to speak through the Old Testament. The Bible split up into two books. The first book is the Old Testament. The next book is the New Testament. And the New Testament is where Jesus gets introduced. And see, Jesus gets introduced and a new covenant gets introduced where we get delivered from the Old Covenant and we come into a new covenant where now God made a covenant with God and he included you. You weren't even, you weren't even in the, the deal. He did it. God cut a deal with God and they included you in all the benefits. So you were a child of God because God did it all. He did it all. That's the new covenant. See, the old covenant, you had to do stuff. And the old covenant was you repent, behave yourself, and God will bless you. The new covenant is God has made a deal that you are ridiculously blessed. What do you think of that? I like it. 
So in the new covenant, we don't repent to get stuff. We repent because it's the finished work of the cross. We receive, we receive, we receive. But you see, some people got dropped on their head and they got a bad concept of God. But here's what it says. It says, that's what happened. I tried to speak to you. I was trying to speak to you, but it was through a filter. It was cloudy. It was messy. But now, in these final days, God has spoken to us through his son. The son radiates God's own glory. What did Moses want to see? The glory. He wanted to see who are you? What makes you you? The son radiates God's own glory. He is expressed. He's the expect, expressed image of the nature, of the character. He absolutely, totally, fully, not a single bit off one way or another. Jesus is absolutely God and he absolutely represents God. So if you want to know God, Jesus, if it doesn't go through the filter of Jesus, delete push it out because God said now I'm communicating clearly with no filters at all I'm giving you absolutely you're going to see me my nature my heart my desire for you Jesus is the full revelation of God can I get an amen all right all right so let's just unpack these words really quick you ready so number one is he's the Lord he said when he went before me he announced something all right he said I am the Lord the Lord means Yahweh Yahweh means self-existent one it means whatever I am I will be he is the self-existent one in other words whatever this God is like he is that all the time 24 7 God never changes God is God he will not change in any way he is consistently God whatever he is he always is he is Jehovah that's another way to say the Yahweh to say that word Jehovah he is consistently God and he says I'm a covenant God I'm Jehovah Rapha I am the God who heals you I'm Jehovah Jireh I'm the God who provides for you I'm Jehovah Kassid Canoe I am the God your righteous I am Jehovah Shalom I am the God your peace I am Jehovah Ra. I am the God who is always present with you I am what I say I am I never change 24 7 you can expect that the Lord has bound himself to your life and he is always the same no matter what you don't have to worry when you approach him are you still like yesterday or did you change your mind he is consistently God and he's consistently for you and he's nuts about you he said the Lord then he said again he said first thing he said was I am the Lord that's who I am and you know what it looks like it looks like this number one I am compassionate I am compassionate related to the word womb womb the base root of this word is womb i am like a womb i am like a place where i hold you where i keep you where you are connected to me where i resource you and i bless you jesus said how i longed to draw you to myself like a like a mother hen i wanted to bring you in i wanted to embrace you the lord is compassionate the lord is has a strong deep and emotional bond just like between parent and child luke 7 13 says when the lord saw her he had compassion on her and he said do not weep now what's amazing about that is she just lost her only son and she was already a widow so a widow who just lost her only son means I have just dropped deep below the deepest rung on the social you know structure on the ladder of society I just fell to the worst spot and she's weeping and she's there having a funeral for her son and Jesus shows up and he says bah, 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 bah. hold on everything stop here and he reaches over and he touches the casket and everybody's going oh Jesus don't touch death don't because in the old covenant if you touch bad stuff it got on you because sin was like a coating on everything Ooh, stay away from that Ooh, it's oh I got oh, I got dusted with sin we see in the new covenant whatever you touch 
turns to life. And Jesus showed up. And a woman who's just lost everything. You got a nerve there, fella. You're not even from around here. We're here mourning. She hired a bunch of people. We're sad, we're sad. My life is terrible. And Jesus is like, stop crying. Dude, you need a little emotional intelligence test because that is just wrong. But he reached over, he grabbed the casket, he said, woman, stop crying. He had compassion on her, and he said, stop. He got in to her problem. He joined and he yoked himself with her circumstances. He touched the casket. He spoke to the boy. He said, get up. He pulled, her, pulled him out of the casket, restored him to the mother, and everybody got happy. You know where it was? It was at the gates of the city. And gates are places of power and authority. And where the gates of the enemy are trying to hem you in or box you in or the enemy's trying to manifest in your life something that's not of God, Jesus will show up right at that gate and he'll show up with power and authority and he's going to deliver you. He's going to pick up anywhere the death is trying to creep on the promise of God in your life. He will raise it up. He'll say, stop crying. You're condemned to a life of victory every day. And you know, I can believe that because I know the Lord is compassionate. The next thing, it says the Lord is gracious. Can I get an amen? The Lord is gracious. Mercy is getting what, not, not getting what you deserve, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. Like it's mercy not to get the speeding ticket, but it's grace when he says, I signed you up for a safe driving course. <laughs> that really happened to me. <laughs> said, I'll, can I'll cancel the ticket if you'll go to the course. Well, thank you. And thank God for the course. You know what? He pours grace in you. He doesn't just say, forgive your sin, but then he graces you. He gets involved. He says, we're going to eradicate this problem in your life. God gets involved with you because he's gracious. In John 1, 14 and 15, it says, and the word became flesh. God moved into the neighborhood, became just like us. The incarnation is once and for all, God showed up. Everything has changed. The incarnation, everything changed. God moved in the neighborhood, and what did he move in? What does he manifest? His fullness, and of his fullness we have all received. What do we receive because of the incarnation? Grace upon grace. You know what that means? It means there's another wave of grace coming. I mean, you, it's like an automatic flow of, you know, I, whenever I go to the ocean, I stand in there on purpose and I quote this verse. I go, grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. And, like, and as far as I can see, it's moving towards me and it never, ever stops. The favor of God is moving towards you every day. It's slapping you on the head. Wake up! and receive the goodness of God because it's flowing on you every day. He is gracious to me. Grace, charis means goodwill, loving kindness, favor. The merciful kindness of God which he is exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and he kindles virtues. He gives you the grace. He gives you the power to manifest the freedom that he has freely given you. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7, to the praise and glory of his grace, to the praise and glory of his grace, which he has made us, by which he has made us, by which he has made us. Who made you acceptable to God? Well, I've been trying really hard to be pleasing to God. Well, your trying is not going to do a single thing. Because it is grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to, not out of, not a little drop at a time, but according to his riches of grace. And then Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. I do not, I'm not going to set aside the grace of God. 
I'm not going to I'm not going to turn to some other thing. I'm not going to try to find another way to get myself fixed up. I'm not going to turn aside to another program or another thing. I'm not going to try anything else. I will not turn aside from the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. You can't do a single thing through your own personal behavior. It all has to come from the very flow of the Spirit of God in your life. It's all initiated through the Spirit of God. Your whole job is 24-7, rest in Him. Rest in Him. Make every, the only place where it says make effort, make every effort to rest. Isn't it good? And you can trust in that place of rest that everything you desire to be manifest, everything you desire to be broken off you, every transformation you're hopeful to see, if you'll rest in the grace of God, the grace will bring it into manifestation in your life. I will not forfeit the grace of God. I will not set it aside. John 8, verse 10 and 11 says, then Jesus stood up. He's there. These guys, they, they planned something. They got a woman. They got her caught in adultery with a guy. And then they grabbed her and brought her to Jesus to test him. They throw her naked at his feet and say, she's an adulterer. She's broken the law. We caught the whole thing. He caught the whole thing right in the act. I think Jesus' first question was, if you caught them right in the act, where's the guy? Where's the guy? But anyways, Jesus, mm, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He just bent down on the ground and started to write. Then he looked up and he said, hey, let the one who's perfect among you cast the first stone. Then he got down and started to write again. I don't know if you started to write, Charlie, Charlie. Well, he was out with Susie the other day. And then Charlie went, dropped his rock. And it says from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rock. See, the younger, when you're younger, you got a little more resilience, right? I'm not that bad. When you're older, you realize, yeah, I don't have a leg to stand on. But from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their rocks and they went. And then it says that Jesus stood up again. He said to the woman, where are your accusers? Let me, let me ask you that. Where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? If you're feeling accused, and yeah, yeah, bad stuff happens in my life sometimes. And I feel guilt. I feel like, why does this keep going on in my life? Where are your accusers? See, the grace of God is there. I tell you, you know when you need faith? You need faith when you don't feel like a child of God. You need faith when you don't feel like you're approved. You need faith when you don't feel like you're pleasing to God. That's when you need to declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then the devil says, no, you're not. You say, shut up. That's when your faith is in manifestation. Faith is when you declare the things that are not as though they were. But when you do that, you engage the grace of God and it starts to manifest the power of God in your life. And this woman, he says, he says didn't even one of them condemn you? And here's what she said, no, Lord. No, Lord. Here's a woman naked, caught in adultery, there before the Son of God. And you know what she feels? No shame. She feels enough to say, no one accuses me. No one accuses me. And then he said, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said to her, neither do I. Here's the thing, though. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. You know what it is? It's go and sin no more. I mean, I mean in, the, in the eyes of faith, in the eyes of absolute unconditional acceptance, in this revelation, don't go back and screw up your life. Don't go back and enter into that brokenness. Don't go back and miss the mark of what you're called and who you're called to be. I don't condemn you. I love you. I'm for you. Now go and sin no more. That's the grace of God. It brings power to move in your life. Next one, quick. We're going through this quick. 
Slow to anger. I love this one. Slow to anger. He's slow to anger. Don't you like slow to anger people? Gentle, nice people. You, you know, anger in the Hebrew is red nose or hot face. Ah, oh, he's a red noser. <laughs> that one. Boom, he just pops off at any time. You just never know. You know, you want to know when you approach God, he's slow to anger. You, you know how, how they, they use Hebrew word pictures. You know what slow to anger is? He's got a long nose. He's got a long nose. Settle down. But it means, you know, he's really patient. You know, he don't get, he don't get red-nosed. He doesn't get short really fast. Isn't it good to know that God's not touchy? Yeah. Isn't it good to know that you can approach God and he's incredibly patient with you? He's got, he is long-suffering with you. Listen, Luke 24, 14 to 30. This is where his disciples, he, they saw the cross. They saw that and he said, now wait for me in Galilee. I'm coming back. But instead of going to Galilee, they went to Emmaus, which means they went for a warm bath. They were walking away from their destiny, discouraged, their heads down. They were walking away from God, walking away from their purpose. And then God caught up to them and said, where do you think you're going? Well, you know what it says? He went on a seven-mile walk with them. He showed up. He connected. Hey, what's going on, guys? Where are you headed? Don't you know what just happened? Don't you know? And they said, our lives have fallen apart, and they're walking away from their destiny. And you know what? If you today are walking away from your destiny, Jesus always catches up with you. Even if you feel like, I, I've blown it, I've screwed up, and you're going the wrong way, what I love about him is he drew near to them. He caught up with them. And you know what he did? It says, through the words, he began to show them himself. And then they said, did or not, our hearts burn within us. He got caught up with them. Then he broke bread with them, and their eyes were opened, and immediately that night they turned around, and they ran back into the purpose of God. You know, if you think you've screwed up, or you think, man, I could be better, stop it! because he's still working with you he's patient he's long-suffering he's committed he's going to finish what he began in you he's going to bring you into your destiny god is for you never say i quit never say i give up and even if you do you know what too late he's already connected himself with you he'll walk seven miles with you if he has to to bring you back into your destiny say thank you jesus thank you jesus then the next one was loyal love loyal love it's, it's the word has said loyal love it's, it's more it's more like that but anyways has said it means combining the ideas of love loyalty and generosity an unconditional expression of enduring character inner conviction god loves for his own sake for his sake the hebrew dictionary says it like this god's commitment to do a generous and surprising amount of good in another person's life over the long term not based on their performance but based on his promise See, God doesn't bring his loyal love into manifestation in your life because you checked a few boxes or you behaved properly. God does it for his own sake, to, to manifest his own nature and character. God is going to be loyal, consistent, and forever in love with you because, and I, this isn't me telling you who God is. This was God himself telling Moses, this is who I am. He is full of loyal love, consistent loyal love. Look at this little picture right here. I almost lost her last week. I almost lost her. That's why I said, I'm going to be dead. Now, that's Cheryl. First thing in the morning, her hair was uh, combed with a pillow. And, uh, but uh, God bless her. She looks good any old time. But Cheryl has a coffee on that place on the couch every day. And Coco jumps up behind her and puts his little head beside her. You know, I was trying out the loyal love thing. So I took Coco and locked her in the trunk. Let her sit there for half an hour. I came back, opened the trunk. She jumped out, licked my face, hugged me. I, went, I locked it up again, went for another half hour, unlocked it. She came back. <laughs> she was so happy. I said, that's loyal love. That's amazing. How many cat lovers here? 
you need healing for sure. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't know, cats, man. Cats are so independent, eh? But dogs, man, they just, I mean, I'm, I'm gone for like 10 minutes. I, I go around the corner to get something at the store. It's like he hasn't seen me forever. Whoa, you know? So I thought I'm going to try this out on Cheryl. So I locked Cheryl in the trunk for half an hour. And, and I came back, opened it up. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same at all, you know? But, but man. Last, last year, there was a guy in Turkey who got put in the hospital because he had a brain aneurysm, and they took him right to the hospital. The dog got loose and ran after the ambulance and sat outside the door. You can Google it, guy in Turkey and his dog, and you'll see this dog. This dog sat at the door of the hospital all day. There's a picture of the dog just sitting there. And they would have to go get him. The family would go get him, bring him home every night. And when they opened the door in the morning, boom, he ran all the way to the hospital and sat there at the door, just sat there at the door. And there's beautiful video seven days later when he got out they wheeled him out in a wheelchair and the dog jumped around him jumped around so amazing what a weird analogy that is what are you saying God's like a puppy dog God is nuts about you he would chase after you we sang that song today his goodness is running after you and you know what? some of the pictures you have of God a better picture is that puppy dog who wherever you are, he'll find you. And wherever you are, he's waiting for you. And he's committed to you. And you know what? When he gets a chance, he's just jumping around you. I love you, love you, love you. I wake up in the morning, I open my eyes, and right away, a wet kiss. I couldn't wait till you woke up, Carl. Mwah. Thank you, Jesus. And it's a true story. It's a true story. I want you to have a proper concept of God. Last thing is faithfulness. If it's faithfulness, it means it's fixed, it's true, it's stable, and it's reliable. It's related to another common word, which is an untranslated Hebrew word, and that word is amen. He's faithful. Amen. See, amen means it is. That's the truth. That's the truth. See, God is always true. He is always faithful. God is fixed, stable, consistent. He's never moody. He never changes his mind. He's consistently loving. And to that I say, amen. 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 He's not fickle. He's my rock. Look at this right here. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So that's a songwriter who got a revelation. He's my rock. He is faithful. He is fixed. He is immovable. He'll always be consistent with me. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is still my hope and stay. On Christ the soul. Some of you folks are getting too excited there. Not earth, not hell, no, my soul can move. I rest upon unchanging love. I trust his righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. 
when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand just a couple more slides look at this one see that's jesus with the filter i want the filter gone though i want it gone today i want it gone today i want you to really see god as he is i want you to see jesus one more slide and i'm going to wrap it up accepting what jesus did at the cross removes the filter so you can know god as he really is john 1 12 but as many as receive him to them he gave the right to become the children of god isn't that great to those who believe in his name isn't that great Jesus did it all. Jesus has you covered from A to Z. Jesus has every single thing dealt with. Anything that limits you, hinders your life, any bit of brokenness, he has absolutely, totally reconciled you to your father. And your father is good. He is good.